Welcome to She's at the Wheel Van Life Podcast. How are you guys doing? It's so good to be back behind the microphone. I don't know how many times I've said that. I've had so many breaks. I'm like, hi guys, I'm having a break. Oh, hi guys, I'm back. It's great to be back. Oh, I'm having a break again. Oh, I'm back. Anyway, hello. It's really good to be back. I am actually currently on a road trip. So I'm in my van at the moment in Scotland just by a beautiful loch called Loch Morlick. I have no idea if that's the right way to pronounce it but it's lovely. It's actually blue skies today so I've been here for nearly three weeks now and I think I've seen a blue sky maybe three times (laughs) but it's been, oh my goodness, it's been lovely. So I left Plymouth just after Christmas and I did a really nice route actually. So I, well, first I went to Glastonbury. Um, I thought I'd pop in there because I've never been there before. I've got to be honest, I thought it was a bit weird. I'm not going to lie. Like the vibes of Glastonbury High Street were, even for me, who is a self-confessed crusty hippie. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot, but yeah, if you want to buy some incense um, or some crystals, I would definitely recommend going to Glastonbury. Anyway, I stayed there in a place where loads of van dwellers actually live. It's a bit like Stonehenge. There's like um, a lot of places where people park up and uh, they live in caravans or old vans. Um, That was really cool. I really enjoyed the feeling of being in my community and there was definitely a really strong community vibe there so that was really cool but I decided because I wanted to get to Scotland I didn't hang around so I left after one night and I made my way up through now let's have a look at the map here so I just went right up the motorway until I got to the Lake District I didn't really do any research before I went I just kind of decided to go with the flow and when I got there I just kind of drove around. I've got to say I thought I'd driven on all kinds of roads at this point but I do have to say it was quite scary driving along the roads there because um, they're quite narrow and they are national speed limit and also for some reason like there's no um, street lights or no lighting at all in in some of these places and um, yeah I have to say it was quite scary driving on those roads but I ended up close to Lake Windermere. I was there on New Year's Day so I decided to have a little dip in Lake Windermere on New Year's Day which was oh it was it was like it wasn't too cold. It was like the perfect amount of cold that like it was just I just felt like totally like cleansed and refreshed. I'd never been so red in my life though when I got out. I was completely red. So yeah, I went to Windermere and I just drove through the Lake District basically. I think I kind of ended up at Penrith back on the motorway. 
it was such a beautiful drive. I really enjoyed it. I'd like to go back there. I didn't really explore as much as I could have done. So that was really cool. Now, I've tried to go to Scotland a few times and it, the trips have always seemed like cursed. So I was kind of wondering what would happen this time. So I was really happy when I finally actually got over the border to Gretna. I stopped there for one night and then I travelled on the motorway again and then I took the A702 to Edinburgh. It was so expensive like to park. It was like £4.70 an hour to park in Edinburgh city centre. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, right, I'm off. So I left there and then I went to visit a friend who lives near the fourth bridge, I think it's called, the fourth road bridge or something like that. That was lovely. She gave me some good tips on where to go. I also stayed one night in a place called Queen's Ferry, which is right on the river. And that was lovely. It was such a nice view over the river. And there's two bridges and they're really like stunning to look at. And, there, and there's like a really nice little a little town there with really lovely cottages and it's a really nice walk and because it was so close to Christmas all the fairy lights were still up so that was really pretty I really enjoyed that then I now I don't know how to pronounce any of these names so I do apologize any Scottish people <laughs> listening but then I traveled on the A84 which took me to Loch Lomond and the Trossachs I don't know if that's a national park or whatever, but anyway, it was really beautiful. I stayed around some locks there and it was just like really easy. There's like loads of laybys and because it's quite empty, you can park like right by the side of the road, but like there's no traffic. So that was really lovely. It did start to snow and it was really beautiful because I parked right next to this lock which was so stunning and then when I woke up in the morning it had like been dusted with snow and it was oh it was so beautiful and that's when I was really like oh wow this is going to be such a good trip. I don't really look at pictures or anything before I go somewhere and I honestly did not know what to expect so everywhere I went was just like a super surprise and also I honestly had no idea like how beautiful Scotland is. It's just blown me away with its beauty and its emptiness. I'll definitely be back. So after that, I travelled to Glencoe. The drive there was really dicey because the weather just suddenly just changed and it was like heavy snow. For most of the drive, it was okay, but there was this certain specific bit of road which was just really open and really straight and even though it had been gritted and salted the snow was coming down so quick like the road was just like disappearing and I was really freaking out and I was going at like 20 miles an hour just being like I don't like this why did I do this and I had like big lorries overtaking me and stuff and that was pretty pretty scary but luckily that was probably only about 20 minutes of the entire drive because as soon as I got a little bit more sheltered it just you know wasn't so much of a problem so thank goodness for that but what that did mean is when I got to Glencoe around that area it was just absolutely beautiful the snow had stopped but the mountains were just bright white with fresh snow and it was like absolutely stunning I went to this place called uh, Glenlochen 
which was deserted. I was literally like one of two people that were there and I walked around and I've got to say it was one of the most beautiful days of my whole life. It was so stunning. The trees were all covered in snow and like the sun was shining and it was like dripping all melting down and the mountains were just absolutely beautiful and the trees were all covered and it was just amazing and like the lock was completely still so it like reflected the mountains perfectly it's like a mirror and just being there alone was such an experience I honestly I just kept like bursting out laughing I was like oh my god it's so beautiful yeah it was absolutely stunning and then um I traveled along Loch Leven and I found this little area which I thought was really pretty and I was like oh yeah I'm definitely staying here tonight again it was just a lay-by but because it was a quiet road it was just amazing and it was like right by the lake and I've got to say it again, it was the same. It was one of the most beautiful nights of my whole life. The stars were shining, the moon was rising over the mountains, the lock was perfectly still. I even saw um, some shooting stars as well. And honestly, it was just one of those moments where you're just like, I'm never going to forget this. Like, it was so magic. It was amazing. So I really loved that whole area. Um, I drove to Fort William as well. Fort William is kind of ugly and not a nice place to explore in itself but the surroundings are so beautiful um, especially the drive from Glencoe to Fort William was so amazing and yeah the mountains again covered in snow just looking absolutely beautiful it really stole my heart and I'd love to go back there I also tried climbing for the first time when I was there I went and did like a climbing lesson and I couldn't fucking walk for three days afterwards, but I really enjoyed it. And I'll definitely do it again. Because I'm scared of heights, I just wanted to do something that was kind of scary. So I went and did that. And yeah, it was scary for me because I've always been scared of heights. So it felt like a really big achievement to like climb up the wall and then just like lean back and just let myself, you know, fall back against the rope. So yeah, it's that was amazing. After that, I did something that I've wanted to do ever since I passed my driving test, which is drive to Loch Ness to find Nessie. <laughs> and um, I didn't find Nessie, but I did go to the exhibition centre, which was like the most cheesy American thing I've ever done. It was so brilliant. I, it was like four pounds or something. And I went in and it basically like told you the story of like Loch Ness and like the Loch Ness monster and stuff. But like it was so well done and it was like so cheesy and so like kitsch. And I was the only one in there as well. So it was like totally immersive. And I was really scared though because I am scared of like deep sea creatures and um, some of the pictures of like the fish and stuff kind of freaked me out. But it was really amazing anyway. Uh, and I just laughed. It was just so funny. Like it was a real like funny thing to do. Yeah, so that was really nice. I bought some really cheesy like um, Loch Ness, you know, tourist junk there, which you just got to do, haven't you, when you're in these places. I didn't find Nessie, but you know, maybe I'll see her when I pass again. After that, um, someone told me that like, or a couple of people actually told me that Ullapool was a really cool area to base yourself. And that's like right up on the northwest coast. So I decided to head there. 
that's when I hit a bit of a wall. I was like a bit knackered by this point. I think because I had moved around so much and just like the constant change of scenery and like the kind of, you know, where to get water and all that kind of stuff was starting to get to me. So I wasn't in like the best state of mind when I got there. Also, the weather was really turning quite bad. It was really cloudy and like really low cloud. So like, even though there's like beautiful scenery around there, I couldn't see anything. <laughs> so it was kind of pointless. And also like being from Devon, you know, I know what it's like out of season coastal towns are like some of the most depressing places <laughs> so like I didn't really stick around I mean I got so tired that I got kind of confused and I'd been moving so much I just like I couldn't stop and I was like oh I'm gonna go down this road and then they ended up driving down some of the north coast 500 route going kind of south towards the Isle of Skye and as I was driving it I was like why are you doing this it's really windy like it's like every whoops that was the map sorry it's like so windy like you're not getting any sleep you're totally exhausted like you don't want to see out of season coast like what are you doing and I was like right you just need to stop so <laughs> in the end what I did is I actually drove back to Ullapool which I actually did like as a little stop um because they had showers there as well for 50p which was amazing I got to say I did kind of base my movements around where I could have a shower so I drove back to Ullapool decided hang on a minute you just need to chill for a second what I really wanted to do was to get a hotel but the prices were like insane so I was like okay I can't do that so I just thought right I've had enough now I'm gonna head back so I headed back the way I'd come, so kind of towards Loch Ness and Inverness. And then I was looking at the map and I was like, oh, the Cairngorms aren't too far. So what I did is I drove from Ullapool to Aviemore, which is in the Cairngorms. And um, I went to the place where I am now, which is um, where someone recommended me to go, Loch Morlick. As soon as I got here, I was like, oh, yes, this is nice. This is like Glencoe. I feel the magic here, like the beautiful like lakes and mountains. Like, you know, I've seen enough um, coastal scenery. This is what I'm in Scotland for. So I came to Loch Morlick. There was a car park like right by the lake. I just stayed there and it was a lovely sunny day. And it was also like a really great place to meet people. What I found about Scottish people is like they're so friendly and they'll just like launch into like a massive conversation straight away. That is something I've definitely learned about Scotland is that like Scottish people will just be like, hello, and then that's it. You're, you're in like <laughs> for like a really big conversation. And like that's great for me because it does get lonely sometimes when you travel alone and to have those like nice conversations every day like I think it really keeps you going so yeah that's been like super nice so I stayed there for one night and I was so happy there because it was really quiet and it wasn't windy as well I decided to um book into a campsite which was on the lock so I've booked in here and I'm here for three nights which was a really good decision because I was honestly I was so tired like I was getting to the point where I was just like dropping things just because of, my brain just wasn't working anymore yeah I'm here for three nights this is my what is this now It'll be my second night tonight. Yeah, that's why I thought I'd do this podcast because I've got like electric as well. So um, I was kind of hoping to do some more podcast stuff on the road. But then I was like, oh, hang on a minute. My laptop, <laughs> it doesn't last very long without a, an electric source. Um, so I thought I'll take advantage of what I've got here. So um, it's just been a magic trip. It's been so beautiful. 
I have been, as I said, completely like overwhelmed with how beautiful it is here. Obviously everyone says Scotland's beautiful, but I don't think I realise like how majestic and gorgeous and magical it really is so that's just been awesome the other thing is because it is low season it's just been like sometimes I've felt like I've had the place to myself which has been amazing it has been cold I'm not gonna lie it has been cold but like I've been pretty toasty most of the time like I've, n I've not really suffered with the cold and also I feel like I'm at a point now with my van that I have got into a really good routine. I've totally scrapped dishes because that was my biggest problem. Like I just could never be bothered to, to do the dishes. So now I literally have like two saucepans and I use that for everything. That is like my bowl, my plate, my cooking apparatus. And that's really changed it for me because it's really easy to wash like two small pans every day. Like that's it, that's as bad as it gets that's been a real game changer um, but I'll talk a little bit more about my um, progression um, and how I'm feeling about van life and stuff in the next episode because I think I've been going on for quite some time now 20 minutes yeah I've been talking for 20 minutes so anyway that's what I'm up to at the moment I'm not sure when I'll be coming home I'm just going to go with the flow and um, see how it goes but um, anyway now to this episode so this episode, I'm really, really excited to finally release this. This is my chat with the amazing Chick family, otherwise known as Round the UK on a tenner a day. The Chick family are Jem, Dave, Gracie, Iris and Evan and they did an amazing trip around the coast of the UK to raise money for charity and they did this in a 1968 Morris Traveller, all five of them. Now if you want to get an idea of how small this space is you can go onto my Instagram and you'll see some pictures that I'll put up of their amazing van and yeah the mind just boggles. They did this trip with a budget of £10 a day. That included fuel, so you can imagine what that must have been like. It took them 10 months and they had an amazing time. The other concept that the Chick family like to promote is called One Life Share It. And before I start this episode, I would just like to talk to you a little bit about One Life Share It and how it's actually informed my practice in my van since I met them. So I used to think that most people would see me and my camper van as a bit of a nuisance. So I always really took care to close the doors and the curtains and keep myself to myself when I was parked up somewhere in my camper van. Well, meeting the Chick family really changed my attitude. They taught me that an open door and a hot kettle is the secret to making more connections with others and since then I've challenged my fears of bothering people and have begun to sit outside my van with the doors open more often. I've had more lovely interactions and chats with strangers than I could have imagined possible. It turns out that most people don't actually see me as a nuisance at all and they love to chat and I feel more part of my local community than I ever have. It's amazing how just a simple hello from a stranger can help you feel less alone and isolated. A good example of this is the car park where I usually hang out in. This summer I decided I'm just going to fling the doors open, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to hide away, I'm going to fling the doors open, I'm going to sit outside and I'm just going to say hello to everyone that walks past and I have met more people in that time and made more connections than I 
as I said, than I could have imagined. So I'm so glad that I've adopted the One Life Share It philosophy of having an open heart and I'm always telling friends the lessons I learned from it. With an open heart and mind, you can receive more than you ever would with a closed door and a shy attitude. So without further ado, let's get on to this episode with the Chick family. I will just say we recorded this outside it was a little bit windy and I'm not a sound engineer so I <laughs> I couldn't really do anything about that so there's a bit of wind at some points and the other thing is this tractor kept like driving past <laughs> as well so we were like oh the tractor's back and in the end we were like oh let's just carry on because it's not going away so there is some tractor and wind action throughout this episode but um, anyway here we go here is the chick family today with the Chick family. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Thank you Hi, my name's Jem. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Evan. And I'm 15. Hi, I'm Iris. I'm 13. My name's Gracie. I'm 17. So, let's start with your van. What van do you have? So, it's, uh, it's a Morris Traveller motor caravan. It's classed as, but it was an old Morris Traveller uh, vehicle 1968 that we bought as a bit of a wreck about six years ago and I did it as a project with my son Evan who's homeschooled so it was kind of uh, something we did together and it took I don't know maybe six months yeah, something like that. eight months to do and now it's uh, yeah like a little tiny camper van on, a, on an old Morris Minor. Brilliant so what gave you the idea to do that as like a project uh, I guess because like being homeschooled it's just part of my ac uh, um, education and I I'm not a very academic person and so like sitting down and learning maths maybe from a maths book isn't uh, the best way that I'd find uh, like best way of me learning it so actually learning it through measurements and actually building and, and I'm also budget. very practical yes yeah, and budgeting <laughs> and stuff like that it was it was a good thing for my education yeah that's absolute genius how long have you had it you so Evan was nine so six years we're all a bit too big for it now. The floor space is, is about the size of a small double bed, so it, it really is compact, yeah. But yeah, it yeah. Has, it's, got, it's got everything you kind of could uh, imagine it. It's got a toilet, uh, a shower, you know, a little sink, a little fridge. Uh, it's got table and benches that all um, like fold up and pull out. Loads of like storage room, and then it can sleep all five of us as well, so, uh, and a dog. So yeah, it's, it's, it's got, every, got everything in there, yeah. I'd love to just jump right in to the trip that you guys did um, so if you can tell me a little bit about your story in 2018 we were feeling like yeah, and there was so much negativity on the news with Brexit and everything that was going on and so many you know depressing headlines and us three were kind of becoming teenagers and thinking we need to do something to make a difference we didn't really know what or how or um, but anything like that but we thought you know we've got to do something so we decided like what can we do we've got this little van our education is all about you know meeting people and connecting with people 
and then um, I went sailing with a sail training charity and then I just saw how it made such a big difference to so many uh, young people like getting out in this really intense environment and finding purpose and sort of belonging but I also saw how many problems like young people are facing and how they don't have that much hope for the future but through sailing I was like oh this is such a solution so we decided right we'll raise money for one of these sailing charities which was called Cat Zero based up in Hull and so we decided to take on a challenge where we drove 7,430 miles around the coastline of the UK. It took us 10 months and we lived on just 10 pounds a day between all five of us. So that was five pounds of fuel and five pounds of food. Amazing. <laughs> it was a bit of an epic one, but uh, it was amazing. It completely changed our lives. What route did you guys take? So we started in Hull on the 1st of May, 2019 and then we drove anti-clockwise. So we thought we should um, do Scotland first because um, obviously being away in our little van, which um, is called Mo, being away in Mo, we thought we might not make it round Scotland in the winter time. <laughs> so we, um, yeah, we went anti-clockwise. Yeah, it was, and it was really incredible. So we stuck to the coastal roads as best we could. So it, as, lo it, as long as it wasn't a dead end that sort of went off for miles. Or too hilly. Yeah, we actually, well, we did. Do, I think there's only one place where we didn't actually tackle the hills because the vehicle was having technical problems. Okay. But yeah. we pretty much we pretty much stuck to coastal roads the whole the whole journey. Yeah. So yeah, seven and a half thousand miles. So did you go all the way around? Yeah. Is that the whole mm -hmm. coast We did mainland, UK. mainland yeah. UK. Yeah. yeah. We couldn't oh, do any of the islands. Um, partly because we didn't have time and our budget didn't like cover yeah. ferries and things like that. So, yeah. so we, we did all mainland UK. We only because our budget was five pounds a day for fuel, so we we averaged it at thirty miles a day. So we only really drove thirty miles each day and that was as far as our five pound fuel would take us. So that's why it took ten months. So it was yeah, we didn't we didn't travel very far each day. You know, some some places we might have stayed a little bit longer and then caught up, but pretty much averaged out, we did about thirty miles a day for the whole challenge. Yeah, amazing. And yeah. what was it like um, traveling slowly? Yeah, um, I guess it suited the vehicle. So I guess that was possibly, I think, to have done an epic trip in it in an old vehicle it's 52 years old would have been probably too much for it but to sort of just yeah. drive 30 miles at a slow speed stop let the, the vehicle recover a little bit yeah it was it kind of worked out quite well and we and you see much more as well yeah you're not yeah. you're not rushing around you get to meet more people you know you you could do 30 miles a day but you can stop every few miles stop you know put the kettle on have a cup of tea invite people over for tea uh, people just walk past and be like oh what's this because Mo is a bit of an uh, attention seeker. She yeah. Like, uh, she's not your normal kind of camper van. She looks yeah. a bit looks a bit different. So, Everyone yeah. sort of walked past and was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, we'd be parked up somewhere and, like, literally every single person that walked past all yeah. day would come and, like, talk and be like, oh, I love the van. Like, what are you doing? What's your story? What should, like, what journey are you on? Um, which was always amazing. You're like, we always say you never know who you're going to meet. And mum always says, like, strangers are friends yet to be made. Um, oh, so, which yeah. was, it was so true. We realised, you know, it's not just like a nice little saying. It's, it's so, like, true. And it's really something that, like, had a big impact on our travels, I think. The fact, like, if you, you know, look at everyone as someone that, you know, is a friend yet to be made, like, you mm. can connect with everyone. Yeah. But we, so didn't, we didn't have a fixed route. So we didn't have any plans, really, other than 
sort of just keep the sea on your right hand side and, and, and that was it so when we end up back in Hull we're done yeah so yeah. we didn't sort of go right today we must be there you know the, we did have a few commitments but it was pretty fluid really I think the other thing as well when you travel that way is um, when you're meeting people and they invite you to do something or to go back to their house for breakfast or come oh, and use the shower yeah. or um, we got invited to people's homes for meals or tours of aquariums and and uh, all sorts of things, museums yeah. or universities or all sorts of things people and you can just say yes to things yeah and, oh that's you know, great and I think that traveling slowly means you have time mm. to give other people your time and and that, that was incredible we received so much from that as well from like you know giving just something as simple as time something we all have because I guess we originally thought it would take about six months yeah. and in the end it took ten months so yeah that, you know we were, we were able to sort of take that little bit extra time and also we had quite a few mechanical problems <laughs> yeah. so Did you? <laughs> we, I think we spent probably out of the ten months three weeks in in garage actually we slept in garage for Did course. you? Did yeah. you? Yeah. One guy we he, he, he came and picked us up as, as kind of like he was the tow guy and he came and collected us and said like i'll take you back to a, to my garage and we were kind of at his mercy really mm -hmm. and he just we got back and he said look the parts are going to be about four or five days S stay here make yourself at home there's really. a courtesy yeah, car you can use and he gave us the keys to the workshop at night and said if you want to use the kitchen or the toilet feel free so wow. it was just incredible yeah and then yeah. and then he didn't his staff came in on a saturday to fix it and he didn't charge us a penny Really? Yeah. yeah. Almost oh, that's so every nice. breakdown we had, someone helped us and we didn't hardly get charged anything no. the whole time. And they were always sort of like letting us help. Like Evan was really into mechanics, so they were always yeah. like, oh, here, this is how you weld, or yeah. this is how you do this, or can you pass me that bit of equipment we or something? To do it yeah. Airbrushing, didn't we? Yeah. 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 But we, we sort of, we tried to sort of help out as well. So I hung some doors for one garage. You guys must have made numerous cups of teas oh, yeah. and coffees Lots for mechanics of tea. and Cooked everyone lunch or yeah. you know just just people who we, this one guy was an old typhoon engineer and so he brought us back and he was like oh fix it up in your garage in his garage you fix it up and so me and dad were helping him out and these guys were you know what was like, i can't remember you were cutting the we grass cut yeah cutting yeah. the grass yeah. <laughs> doing doing yeah. like of jobs around his house and stuff we made so yeah. many friends just through breaking down yeah. it was amazing like, this morning yeah. or what a beautiful sentence that's that's so yeah. true isn't it that's how how it works mm. a lot of the time when things go wrong and you have a connection because you help each other Sure. Wow, what and a learning it, experience. It yeah. wasn't just the vehicle that broke down, you know, we had a few breakdowns <laughs> yeah. just amongst us as a family as yeah. well. And then it was always somebody would do something to encourage us or you would just receive a message of somebody saying, you know, you've given me hope or you've inspired me or you've made me feel good about myself today and um, you've got to keep going, you're doing it for us. So, oh my God, I'm getting emotional. You know, That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing and, and literally just before we left we had a phone call with a lady called Rosie Swale Pope and she had um, done lots of epic journeys herself and so she... She ran around the world. She At, ran the whole 70s. way around the world on her own, solo. Yeah. She's amazing. She's yeah. still going now. She's running to Kathmandu at the moment. Oh but, my um, goodness! She rang yeah, us up and she said, when things get tough, remember why you're doing it 
and that was just such a priceless piece of wisdom that we kind of held on to as we journeyed round because there were tough times there always there is in life you know and it's 10 months of our lives that's a very um, long time isn't yeah, it yeah you know and when you're in an unfamiliar place every day yeah, you know yeah. that's not easy no, is it? no, not you know, easy. You know, and obviously as parents, you're raising your kids. You're wondering if you're doing the right thing, and and you couldn't do any. So we couldn't sort of go and have an ice cream. You know, like most people are oh, having a bad day. Let's go and get an ice cream, or let's oh go and. So yeah, we we didn't any outings. That there was we stuck to our our five pound or ten pound a day budget budget yeah, yeah for food and. Yeah, we didn't go up on any kind but of trips or anything. Often, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but wow. people would often just bring us food. Like we'd be in the supermarket and people would just like bring us a bag of shopping with like loads of goodies yeah. or something. Yeah. Quite a few times, had people chasing us around the supermarket car park. Like, we're driving out and they're like chasing <laughs> after us, like no stop, stop, I want to give you something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And or more just, often than not, yeah. they think the kids were deprived, so it'd be chocolate and biscuits. Oh, we, no. were, we were That's like, we've eaten want. more chocolate in this trip than we ever have yeah. before. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't complain. No. <laughs> Amazing. And um, what did you learn about money on this trip? Well, I guess I guess we learned that you can survive on on five pound for food each day. Yeah, we it is actually doable. Um, yeah, people, a lot of people may think when you're travelling you have to have lots of money to get better experiences. But we went with you know hardly anything. But not a lot of money, but you know, an open heart and an open mind, and we received so much more than I think yeah. we would have yeah, if I we think just the, had gone with more money. I think the main yeah. thing you learn is not everything you can buy. Yeah, some things you you can't buy, and and I guess that's probably like what that. really was special about our trip that we experienced things because we were on a, t a budget, mm. really, the, the generosity of strangers, yeah. And money isn't like the most valuable thing you can give as well, like sometimes to experience things, you can give something else, you can give your time or you can share, uh, you know, sometimes we would just like share a cake with someone, someone had given us a cake, we would like share it with someone else or all of these things, it just, it, it made our experience so much better mm. and people, I, yeah, like Evan said, I guess people think if you're on such a small budget, you're very limited, but actually I think the potential is unlimited. I think oh, one of the I other things it. I think Iris often talks about is um, that, that we learn is that um, you don't get if you don't ask. No. Mm -hmm. Don't ask if you don't, no, you don't, <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't, you don't get if you don't ask. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. You don't get if, if you, you don't, don't ask. ask. You don't get. That's if you don't it, ask, you don't it. get. That's it. Oh, interesting. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, because basically my job, because no one else wanted to do it, was to get water. And so I'd like every day, maybe more than once a day, I'd have to just go into places and ask people for water. So generally, I'd just tell them about our challenge and sort of like ask, like going to cafes or supermarkets. And I mean, or generally, occasionally knock on people's doors. Yeah, yeah. yeah generally, I'd get a really, really good response. Everybody would be like so happy to share with us, which would be really nice. But then once, um, right in the north of Scotland, we were in a, we were parked near a campsite, and we went into the campsite, and um, no one else came with me. And as I was coming out with water, the, the campsite owner, which I didn't realise at the time, accused me of stealing, because I just had a couple of water bottles, and like I was really upset. But then, like, Dad talked to him and was like, this is what we're doing, you know, we did come to find you, um, And someone you said there. that you wouldn't mind us filling up a couple of water yeah. bottles. And it just sort of happened that he'd been having a bad day, like, a lot of people were, like, camping near his campsite but not on it, and he was a bit upset. Oh, yeah. 
But then in the end, he just invited us for a shower, his campsite. Said we really could stay nice if we wanted and, like, to. And like fill up all the water we wanted. Mm. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Isn't it funny when people are angry, if you can remain calm, you, you hear about why they're upset and mm -hmm. it's a really good mm. way to... Cause for it not to escalate, because mm -hmm. it can escalate, can't it? Sometimes. Yeah. 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 But I think that was the one negative yeah. experience yeah. we it had. It turned into a positive. It turned into a positive. Everybody else, literally, you know, you think ten months on the road, you've got to have mixed experiences, but we really didn't. So everyone walked past us like, "Oh, I love the van. You know, you're welcome to stay here." We would literally be parked somewhere like at some point, and someone would come past and be like, "Oh, you're staying here tonight?" And we'd be like, "Yeah," thinking they were going to say move, and they were like, "Oh, if you get any trouble, you can come and park on my driveway." Like, I'm just down the road, and we're like, wow, you know, it's, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think nice. another brilliant thing that for Iris that you came from during the water was she started the trip off quite unconfident, and then by the end of it, you know, having to go and knock on people's doors or go into a supermarket and say, can I have some water, her confidence just grew, like, incredibly. Yeah, 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 it, was, yeah it was really amazing. It was a really great experience for me. So yeah, that I would. So um, how did you guys find it? So you're you're home educated. Yeah. So you're used to learning at home, and you were in mm. a different home, and um, probably doing homeschooling or something mm -hmm. along the way. Um, how did you find this whole trip as like an educational experience? Um. So it was, I guess, especially for me, it was really amazing because I'm really fascinated by marine science. Like, I always wanted like to be a marine biologist, always found it so interesting. And then going around the coast, that was amazing. Um, and oh, then, yeah. so we did yeah. like do like maths and English sort of like, cause you have to do that really. But then <laughs> yeah. like, I guess we sort of just learnt from the experience we had quite a lot. Like I'd often just talk my way into like universities, get like free tours, <laughs> go around aquariums, like just asking people if I could go in. And everyone would always be like, yeah, and be really happy. Um, I mean, one time I just, it was really like amazing. I went into this like really tiny aquarium and was like, can I just have a little look around? Cause I'd heard about it, it seemed pretty cool. And um, the, the staff at the counter were like, yeah, sure. You can have like a tour around. Like they've got one of the members of staff to take me around. And then the owner of the aquarium like just came in and um, he asked me what I was sort of doing like about the challenge. And so we told him about the challenge. Mum was there with me. And he was like, he said to the rest of the staff, you know, you don't need me anymore. I'm going to take these people up to um, this place called Strumblehead. Um, and it's like really good for porpoise watching. So he took us up there and there were no porpoise. And we were like, oh, that's a shame. So then we went for a walk and we got back. And um, I saw some fins in the sea. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then everyone was like, oh, there's porpoise, there's porpoise. And I didn't think there were. They, they were actually Risso's dolphins, which are like really red. They were about 100 yards out to sea. And that the the guy he came back because he'd left and then he came back, and um, he was there and he was like, yeah, they're definitely Rissa's dolphins. And they're also like, that's like a one in a thousand opportunity. They never come that close to the shore. And it's just oh amazing. My goodness! Oh yeah. wow, that's so special. Mm. You must have been to my hometown then, because I'm from Plymouth. Yes. yes. So the sail, sailing voyage that I actually originally went on was um, that sparked this whole thing off basically was from Plymouth. So yeah, we started in Plymouth um, and went along like the coast uh, to the, towards the Isle of Wight. And oh, yeah, cool. and we did a we yeah. did a race around there, and that's where I heard all these stories of you know young people who were really struggling, but also saw how powerful it was to make a difference in young people's lives, and came back and was like, we've got to do something. 
but they're yeah, in Wolverhall that was in Plymouth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and cool. it's such a beautiful yeah, area. I love it around there. Yeah, it is. It is really nice. Mm -hmm. So, did you um, drive past Plymouth as well? We did, did drive you? past Plymouth. So yeah. we, um, I was actually born in Plymouth too. Really? So I'm from Plymouth. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, so we we did stop. Um, we did a couple of significant things in Plymouth. So one of the first things we did was get a tour of the marine science um, yes, department of the university. Real place isn't it for that? And we got to drive the simulator for the big cargo ships. So we met a young lad who was training to be a captain. Well, we met his sister ships. in Wales. Yeah, oh, we, we met his sister yeah. in we Wales. Gave, uh, she was the head teacher at a school in Wales, and we gave a talk at her school. Um, about our journey to like a whole assembly of kids and then um, yeah she was like oh when you get to Plymouth let me know and um, my brother will give you a tour of the yeah. university. It, it, it was oh, insane this thing it was like this massive thing they fired it up for us to and mum felt seasick. It, like, it actually <laughs> makes you feel seasick even yeah. though you're, you're not moving. So you could simulate really really rough weather and all sorts of oh, horizon it yeah. was it was incredible. It, yeah. it was very yeah. fun yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we did that, and um, we also did some filming with the BBC down oh, in Oh, really? Down BBC Devon or whatever yeah, they're BBC called. Devon. Yeah, BBC Devon, so that was quite good fun. We were in, I was pouring it, The weather day, was awful, <laughs> and we were yeah. in this big boat hangar with the rain crashing on the tin roof, and it was really oh, dramatic. So we yeah. did some of that, and, and then the, the knock-on of that was that we would be um, just travelling like through Devon, and people would be like, I saw you on the TV. <laughs> like months oh, later, really? yeah. we like came back to Devon like a yeah, couple of months, months later. And people, yeah. People, lots of people yeah, recognised us. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm so like excited. <laughs> and we're actually going to Plymouth again next month. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be there More sailing. Oh, a month really? today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sailing again. So, yeah. Oh, I'll have to come and wave you off. Yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. That would be awesome. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Before you left, did you have any like what were your like fears or what were you worried about before you left? Oh, good question. I think personally, I was just busy trying to sort of get everything finished, so I didn't even I don't think I even thought about it until I got in the car the day we set off. Really, I think yeah. it was quite similar for all of us yeah. actually. It was yeah. so full on. I think for me personally. I've always had a thing about food. I've always loved it. And living living on a fiver a day, split between all five of us, I was like, how's this going to work? I, I just couldn't get my head around it. I think mainly, yeah. for me, that was the biggest worry. Well, you thought but you'd be hungry. I thought I was going to be hungry. Mum yeah. had done a lot <laughs> of planning, though, so we kind of yeah. knew, like, we can have, like, pasta, yeah. porridge, like, <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah. Ah, so yeah. you did the meal planning. Yeah. And what was that like, doing it on a budget like that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of tried to be quite well organised before we left. Again, like Evan says, you know, knowing that you've got teenagers and, you know, food was always a big deal. We're a real foodie family. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking this is going to be a big challenge. Um, yeah, I tried to be really well organised. So I knew how much you could buy a bag of pasta for and how much of a bag of rice. And, you know, you know that root vegetables are cheaper. And But I, I was really confident we were going to make it work. And we, we, we used to joke about the fact that we would have um, porridge with water for breakfast and it cost us 25p to oh, feed all five of us, you know. So we had it all budgeted out and we did stick to it. I love it. Yeah, and we did still do. We still do. Iris doesn't love no, it. Though, no. <laughs> I think you get used to it and then you kind of get to like, like yeah, it. Exactly. I do. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I like it. I've gotten used to it, but I still don't like it. Yeah. What was the most uh, common thing that you ate? What was your 
What was your standard meal? Well, we ate porridge for breakfast every day. Um, and we ate dumplings for dinner. Mostly. We ate a lot of stew, vegetable stew. Lots of different yeah. variations of stew. <laughs> yeah, they tease me that we that, that um, we eat twenty seven different varieties of stew. Stew with carrots. Stew with Swede. Stew with occasionally a dumpling in it. Uh, <laughs> stew with barley. The list, I, I can go on with all the, all the different stews. Brilliant. Lots of marmite sandwiches. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And what was the most commonly used ingredient? Or maybe oh. a couple carrots. of ingredients. Definitely carrots. Yeah. Um, oats. Yeah, oats because like you ate that every day. Yeah. What about potatoes? Did you oh, yeah. use potatoes? Yeah, lots of potatoes. Yeah, cabbage, swede, carrots. They, you know, they're they're just lots great. Yeah, lots and they've got so much flavour, haven't they? Yeah. As well. Yeah. It's amazing what you can make with just a few different vegetables. Like a lot of people think, oh, you need tons of stuff, but a few vegetables, a bit of salt, a bit of pepper. Absolutely, yeah. and it was actually really Classic. important to me that being on the road for that amount of time that we ate healthily and that we had a balanced so diet. Important. Yeah, you know, I'm a mum raising my kids. It's it's definitely important. So and and like we said before, you know, the kindness of strangers. They gave us the cakes and the biscuits oh and the sweets, goodness, and yeah. and so they kept us going as well. Yeah, because um, I really believe, like when I tr drove to Bulgaria, uh, my I didn't quite get it right with the food and I know it had an effect on my well-being, my yeah. mental health as yeah, well. Yeah, it's so important. And on the way back I just ate vegetable stew every day and I found my mood and my energy levels. There you go. And all those things were so much better. Listen to Kat. Yeah. <laughs> is this an ongoing... Having stew for every night for 10 months is, is too much. Yeah, <laughs> and what did you miss the most? What meal were you just like, oh god, I would just love... Like a Domino's pizza right now. Toast. Macaroni cheese, because we didn't have an oven, so it was kind of hard to get a oh, nice crispy. Oh, yeah. I kind of top on it. Actually, oh. it was really funny, because the one show asked the kids the exact same question. And Gracie said she missed avocados, and Iris said cucumber. And then the next day, or actually for a few days after that, whenever we just met strangers, they would bring us avocados and cucumbers. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, guacamole! Yes! yes. yes. Oh my goodness! I people like, so still funny. to this day asking, Did you get your avocados and cucumbers? Because they said on it, they were like, We'll sort you out some avocados and cucumbers. Yeah. Did you get? Did no, you? What? Oh, don't no. worry. The lovely people exactly. that saw yeah. you yeah. sorted you out. Yeah. 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 It, you can rely on them every time. Absolutely. Okay, so today I'm telling you guys about Fetcher Chocolates. Fetcher Chocolates is an independent, female-owned business that sells luxury, handmade, vegan chocolate. Fetcher Chocolate is the perfect gift for special occasions and something that everyone can enjoy. It's dairy, gluten and soy free, so great for allergy sufferers, but also for anyone. I mean, this chocolate is so good, you don't have to be vegan to enjoy it. There are classic flavours such as milk chocolate mousse and golden salted caramel, but also Fetcher Chocolates offer seasonal flavours too, so they're always coming up with new exciting recipes for you to try. The packaging can all be recycled as paper, so there's no plastic in sight. And Fetcher also plants trees to offset the packaging, so it's an eco-friendly choice as well. Fetcher Chocolates are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off 
with promo code WHEEL. Enter promo code WHEEL at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your order. Yep, that's 10% off. So go on, go to fetchachocolates.com and get that chocolate in your life. You will not regret it. worried about when you do a journey like this is that you're just going to be driving around in obscurity mm. it's just going to be you and you're going to have to make everything happen but it, it would I couldn't have been more wrong yeah you know or that maybe you won't make the impact you want to make but I think it you know went far exceeded what we thought we'd you know we thought we'd drive around you know raise a bit of money connect with a few people but it went completely differently you know I think from everything we discovered you know and me we met we actually one of the key things that kind of defined the journey was we met so many people making a difference in their local communities and at first we sort of started meeting them by accident just kind of stumbling upon these people and then we thought you know this is actually really incredible we should try and meet these people and actually tell their stories so everywhere we went you know towns we stopped in we would use like social media and we would say is there anyone you know doing anything sort of just at a grassroots level in the community we met some you know extraordinary people but just normal people out of their own need just being like we need to do something in our community we need to make a difference well, and even in amazing, their own lives it? didn't they it yeah. was like a people's own need for mm. help or recovery or right, support exactly yeah. they'd start something that yeah. would help them and then discover that it would help That's others doing, too you know yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. and it's inspirational yeah. these people have inspired us to believe there's purpose and hope for they us probably all. Kept oh, us going, really. Yeah, yeah. those Me. people. Yeah. yeah, because even the yeah, I guess the days when we were like, oh, you know, what are we doing? Like, why are yeah. we doing this? It's pouring with rain. We're in this <laughs> tiny space, we're all so cold. Um, I think when we were in Cornwall, especially, it was so rainy. It was like oh, November no. or something. Um, oh God. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. Um, you know those people we would think you know they through all the hardships that you know they come together and they're literally changing you know they're, they're so isolated you know in little town here and little town there but you know they're changing like the whole face of the country really yeah and i always yeah. think right um people you know things don't happen because the government decided mm -hmm. to be nice yes. yeah. you know things yeah. happen because people are fighting and fighting and exactly. fighting for yeah. it exactly. you know i actually think you might have a future in social justice before you said all that i was like yeah. i mean I can see that for you. That, that's that's <laughs> you kind really of interesting the in area it. that I would yeah. like to be in in some form. I don't know yet. And also yes. something that um, nice. the idea Gracie came up with. She's the techie one, or the social media <laughs> one. She put. She we used to um, put a post on Facebook groups, local Facebook groups. So we come into town. Anybody doing anything? We'd love to meet people. I want a hand. Uh, what so a yeah. great idea. Yeah, yeah. Anyone wants a hand yeah. with anything? And it's just you just get people like flooding in, like bang, 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 come meet us at this community project. Um, you know, come join in. We're doing this. It, it was just like overwhelming, the amount of um, stuff us that just we got. It's to, such yeah. a simple so tip as well for people that that you know just like join the. Yeah. Like, if you know you're going to be in this place in like a few days, just join the groups. Like see what's happening. Like, and you know we met so many people that way. It was amazing. Yeah, like using social media to actually socialise yeah, yeah, rather exactly. than just yeah. using it as like a hobby. Yeah, in yeah. Your home. So yeah. the very first yeah. time we did this, and this is really where our journey took a took a turn is that we were on the east coast of Scotland and we joined the Peterhead um, Facebook group and all of a sudden we were getting like Evan said messages going you've got to meet this guy you've got to meet this guy and everyone was talking about this same fella called oh. PJ and eventually he messaged us and um, what he did was he um, had started a fit club 
where he had been trying to help people in his community get fitter and it wasn't really working because they were struggling with childcare and getting cover. So he said, look, I'm gonna hire a sports hall, everyone come. Just whatever age you are, bring your kids, bring your granny. And the night we went, there was 120 people and in this And that was an average night, there. that wasn't anything special. That was nothing so special. Cool. Anything that was less yeah. than And that's four, five nights, a week. five Plus nights a week. Or four Lovely. nights on the Sunday and, afternoon. Yeah. And they all do fitness together. And, they, and then he, so he structures it around like really popular music and kids games. Just fun. And yeah. it's just fun. Yeah, that sounds so and much fun. Oh ev my goodness. Everyone just does it to the level they I can do that. it. And everyone's so encouraging of each other. Everyone has to high five by the time they leave, and and we just loved it. And absolutely loved it. And and it's a, yeah. a, a pound for, per adult, and the children are free. Yeah. So it's not. It's not a, it doesn't do it's it for any profit. It's literally he did it to bring his community together. And yeah. and he says he often gets people writing in messages saying, you know, my son, ten years old, or my child was depressed. Now they're not. My marriage was failing. Now we we come to oh fit club and I when the kids said or Grace said oh we've been invited to a fit club I'm like really do I really <laughs> want to go to a fit club but I tell you I absolutely loved it and it was it was just inspiring yeah even talking about it now it just I know it just, I'm getting so it, emotional yeah, it's an, I'm like it, it because really we've was. lost community exactly. we've, and yeah. that's such a loss that's such a huge loss mm -hmm. as human beings yeah yeah we need each other yeah, yeah, you know sure. especially recently obviously yeah. as well. well PJ said yeah. that he he used to drop his he's got five children he used to drop all young children off at school in the morning or pick them up and he said all the parents would just be on their phones just no. kind of looking down he said when we were kids he said the parents would be talking and you know arranging play dates and get-togethers yeah. and he just thought this is wrong so he literally just kind of did this this yeah. partly as well to bring people together and I love that and it yeah it's and the so impact that it had on the community um yeah. you know it was just inspirational and then that just provided a springboard for us to believe well if he's doing it what else is going on mm. you know and that's where we continued our journey so it empowered you yeah, yeah. yeah. It empowered yeah. you to believe that you yeah. can achieve yeah. this yeah. epic journey and then yeah. and then we literally did find many many other pjs yeah. Yeah. doing things obviously in lots whether it was gardening or boxing or that hard either it wasn't like you know you have to delve into the depths of social media yeah. we, you know put a post on the local facebook group and things were just popping up you know people and people that would live in that area would not know about it so we'd be at a project one day and then we'd like meet someone from that area and be like oh we've been there and we've been there and we've been doing this and we were so excited and they were like i've never heard of that and they literally lived wow. out across the road from it or whatever. So we were able to connect people within yeah. their own communities as well. Oh, so, yeah, because like the community space on the internet is all so higgledy-piggledy, mm. isn't it? So yeah. there's not like a central database that yeah. people can access. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the same in, in Plymouth. It's like, yeah. you know, in the past there might have been a notice board up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So talking about media and everything, You've had a lot of attention from the media and from people by the sounds of it. How have you found that? Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely been, I think, mixed, a mixed experience because 
when we first started getting a lot of people interested in the story um sort of like radio and tv and all of that we were like oh this is great you know we want to get as much publicity as we can we want people to hear these stories because it was around the same time that we started going places like fit club and meeting people like pj and we were like oh you know we want people to hear this is so important but then when we would talk to those people they would be like they would hyper focus on what's it like living in a tiny van what do you eat where do you sleep do you still talk to each other do you fight as a family and we were like yeah yeah we'll talk about that but we've got so much stuff that we're discovering that we want to share and you know we really want to talk about this as well and they'd be like oh you know we'll put that in but you know the British public aren't really interested in that and we're like surely this is what the British public need to be hearing about um, and people were telling us, moment. weren't they, that they yeah. were fed up with Brexit. They were turning stop watching the, the news. Stop watching yeah. the news. So people were, Grace is right, yeah. people were wanting to hear it. Positive and it was almost solution. like the media yes. wasn't keeping up with what its yeah, audience, yeah. audience really wanted. Absolutely. And they've probably got ulterior, you know, they've got mm. motives of their own, of whatever, you yeah. know, financial yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. So, oh, okay. It was, yeah. So, yeah, it was mixed. So, we did that go. That was really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it was. It definitely was. We were on Radio 2. That was and, really positive. Which was great. Radio 2 was brilliant. And we were on the one show. As well. And they were all, you know, <laughs> yeah. really great because it got a lot of people following us. It got a lot of people looking at our journey and, and, and sort of just seeing what we had to say. But I think at the end of the day, like you said, it was a frustrating experience because we, ha we felt like we had so much to say and people didn't always want to listen to that angle of it even though we thought it was so important and we still do we still sort of get a bit frustrated sometimes we're like you know we have so much that we've learned and discovered and we just want we want to share it with other people or when we'd like post on like social media or something when we put a post on telling people all about the amazing places that we've been or the people that we've met like the community projects that we've been to people would be like oh that's cool or something we wouldn't really get very much response or if we like broke down interesting. or something everybody would be like are you okay <laughs> which i guess is a good thing but like when we sort of put on less important posts it had way more response mm. that's yeah it's really interesting isn't it like the hive mind of the internet and what grabs the attention of like groups of people mm -hmm. it's it is interesting yeah. and how did you find so obviously the mainstream media we're kind of trying to push you in certain directions mm -hmm. with your conversations. What about um, your own YouTube channel? Did you try to address the things that you wanted to actually put out in the world? Was that like an aim for you or am I putting words in your no, mouth? No, I guess we did. <laughs> no, we did. We definitely tried to sort of share everything as we were going along. It was quite overwhelming sometimes because there was so much happening all the time. Um, I spent a lot of time just sitting in the back of my writing actually, um, mum was tr always trying to kick me out, um, <laughs> but no I think we did always try and sort of share it, it was really important to us, um, whether we did a good job or not I'm yeah, not really sure. But so. Evan, Evan was our filmmaker yeah. and, and I think um, wherever you go not everyone is comfortable having a camera sort of yeah a lot a lot of the community know, projects um, working with like vulnerable people and stuff they weren't really yeah. happy oh, to yeah, have, have like safeguarding yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean some of the times if we could we get interviews with like people who were actually uh, like running it and stuff get their story why they were doing it uh so yeah some of them are on youtube but i guess yeah grace did lots of posts on facebook about you know about our message really we um, did a lot of fun well, stuff yeah. as a family, didn't we? We put yeah. on quite a few fun videos. Yeah, um, I think YouTube's more kind of got that kind of stuff. Yeah, we tried to be really. sort of quite yes. creative. Yeah. Well, I guess you try and understand that obviously, you know, our our situation was quite unique, and you're trying to inspire other people. 
and whose experience is, is, is a bit different. So it's, it, it's, it is challenging without becoming too negative. Mm -hmm. And it's just trying, to, just trying to do it in a positive way, really. Like we, we have a kind of saying in our family, we've got this kind of plaque over our table that it's, it's better to light a candle than curse the darkness, which is, you know, just, I it's much that. better to focus on the positive rather than, than the negative, really. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, even now it's, it's a challenge. Like Grace is writing a book at the moment and hopefully that gives it in a bigger context mm. that people can actually read the story, oh, know a little that. bit about you as a family. And young people can read it and exactly. be really inspired yeah. That's by what I you. hope. I hope that people will read it and, and sort of just like, yes, like Dad said, see the bigger picture. Because I think when people see maybe like just the van or just hear about the challenge element like living on a tenner a day it's quite easy to just take one element and misunderstand or you know come up with an idea of why you think that we might do it or whatever but right. for people to actually be able to read the whole story and hear you know so our cool. motivation who we are as a family i hope it will hope it will help and Amazing. for other people to tell their story exactly. because one thing you learn in life is everyone has a story yep. yes for yeah. sure and, it's, and everyone's story is as valuable as the next person yes yeah, absolutely you know, yeah. and to be honest the book is it's hardly any of our story at all it's all you know the people that we met along the way and and they i guess their stories have become part of our story um but it's all about them and you know how they had an impact on our lives wow so, oh that sounds like yeah. such a fantastic book I mean, I'd love to read that it's I completely written it. from Gracie's point of view though isn't it you know as a yeah. teenager mm -hmm. she's writing it as to how it's yes. affected her yeah. but she tells she tells part of mine yeah. and Dave's story from our growing up and what's inspired us and motivated us yeah, in our lives what, and what has inspired you <laughs> yeah. well, that's a long story that's a whole other interview yeah, yeah okay I guess it, but, it affects you know. your children because obviously yeah. you know we're her parents so mm. our story is connected yeah. is, is part of their story yeah, yeah. of course yeah. and yeah. talking about your story so you live in east sussex yeah and you work and you live on a campsite yeah yeah and we were chatting the other day you were saying that you have lived in small spaces for a really long time so can we talk a little bit about your experience of living in small spaces and just your lifestyle really in in general we actually used to live not far from here at, up mm -hmm. until about 13 years ago and, and we're we, in Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah, Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah. So we lived, yeah, just within sort of 10 miles of here. And then we decided that we wanted to homeschool our kids. Possibly it's because neither Gem and I had particularly good school experiences for very different reasons. But there wasn't a really a homeschool scene at all in this part of the world, I don't think, sort no. of that, that time. So we literally... Uh, I came home one day and said to Jem, right, I'm buying this old van, going to convert it and we're going to head south where there's a bit more homeschooling going on. And we drove south, uh, contacted a campsite and said, look, can we come and stay for a couple of weeks while we explore the area? And we've been there for 13 years and never went anywhere else. <laughs> oh my we God. just yeah. kind of went into a field, sunk in the mud and that was it, we stayed there. Yeah, so, oh, brilliant. and then, so we lived in a... Oh. <coughs> so you sunk in the mud yeah and um so yeah i just want to say as well you guys actually live full time in a van don't you we a do. different yes. van we do yeah, and can, yeah. We, can you tell me a little bit about about that van so well we've, we we lived in an old van an old sort of minibus that i converted for about two years 
Then I built a tiny house on a trailer that we lived in for about another five or six That's years. My dream. I'd love to do that. And then yeah. I guess we've lived in a few various things for, short, had, um, for a short while. So we, we, we had Mo and then we had a pedal power canal boat. So we did a couple of really long trips up on the canals on our on yeah, our boat, like which was tiny as well. It was yeah. tiny. Really? It yeah. was really tiny. So it was like we haven't lived in anything big no. for like <laughs> no. years. And now we live in a. Uh, so I bought a, a, an old 1937 Citroen truck a few years ago. And, oh my goodness! And then I built like a, a log cabin on the back of it, and then. So it's not a lot bigger than mine. No, no, it's no, really but not. It's just, it, and, and also I built last year a um, during lockdown kind of a trailer made out of just junk it didn't cost me a penny I just used junk that was lying around on the farm so we use that space as well as kind of a bit of a spill out and the kids use it as a place to sort of do their schooling and wow. stuff yeah it's got like a fridge door like as a door it's got like um like uh, a washing machine yeah. window. It's got like, oh yeah, washing machine as a window. And like, and like, and like uh, shingles made up like uh, drinks cans and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like crushed. squash drinks yeah. cans. Um, it's very yeah. colourful. Completely that junk, just from the so farm. Cool. Like not, just like, nothing bought, not a penny, just junk that was in the farm. Yeah, uh, and it's like no, like a tiny little tiny so, house. So yeah, us three kind of stay in there, and um, we've got uh, like a little kitchen as well and everything. So. That sounds so awesome! Yeah. Oh my goodness! I, I guess you're gonna have pictures of that in your book, are you? Hopefully, you pictures. Yeah, of that, maybe? I'm sure there will be. Yeah, or online wow. or whatever. Yeah. Wow, that sounds so there cool. There are actually some YouTube videos of us building the junk. We call it the junk house. I was gonna ask what yeah. you call it. Yeah, yeah the, the junk, junk house. house. Yes, yeah. so there's videos and and things of us building that online. So we've lived on a farm. It's a farm and a campsite for the last 13 years, and I think. You know, there's a lot of people who are kind of thinking about living in vans or living differently, but I think it's a lot of it is to do with your attitude. So we, like, I, I hope that first we're givers before we're takers. Mm. So that's yeah. how we make it work. So we, you know, we don't just give, or we don't just take from the farm, but it's it's a two-way street that you know we give. The kids all contribute to the farm, and and sometimes people. You know, it's, it's hard to find somewhere because maybe we just want somewhere to park up, live our lives and not interact with the people that we're, we, mm -hmm. or maybe we just give them a bit of rent and that's it. But for us, you know, the, the family that we live with have become our family. Oh. The kids have grown up, Iris was yeah. a year and a half, you know, they, they've sort of, they're kind of our adopted family really. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I guess that's just how we've made it work. Yeah, and, and it can work in any yeah. situation, I suppose, with that sort of just giving mentality. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's oh all about attitude. Goodness, that's lovely. It's all about Isn't attitude. It? Yeah, it's the way that, you know, we've met dozens of people over the years that have said, oh, we want to live like this, well, we want a bit of land and we just want to live off grid. And we say, you know, that that's kind of okay. You know, it's good to have dreams, but at the same time you you want to make that happen it's not that easy so you yes, you know so tough, yeah. you you it's about who you live with and how you interact with those people that you live with and it's and at the end of the day it's down to choice and you can make it work without owning the land like we don't own any land and but i i, I feel like it's mine and i take responsibility for it and so do the kids, yeah. yeah. So it. it well, I guess it's our of, home, even yeah. if you know we don't own it. It's, yeah. it's something that we, yeah, we want to look after. And you were saying um, earlier, I overheard you saying, do you all have jobs there as well? Yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. a campsite, and um, we've done like various things as we've been different ages. At the moment, um, I work in the shop, 
so uh, basically just like serving campers and sort yeah. of selling things which I quite enjoy because I like it when people come from all over the country and just get to talk to them and be like how's your stay and everything and everyone's in a good mood because they're camping so it's always good. Yeah I am um, I'm a bushcraft instructor for um, like a little company that does like for the campers. How old are you again? 15. <laughs> so I, I love to, I that's all kind of the stuff I'm interested in. You've been in, doing so it since you were really it, yeah. young haven't you? So, so um, I was trained up this year like officially trained up this year and do that for the campers. So, uh, I guess wow! So you have your own bit. little business. But yeah, as well, and I have you? my own little business making like paracord survival bracelets. And making what? Say that like again. Paracord survival bracelets. What's that? Um, so it's like a, a bracelet made out of like uh, paracord. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can like fit a lot of paracord into like a small amount. Mm -hmm. So it's like woven together. But then when you kind of, take it yeah. apart, can't you can use it in any like emergency situation so. for like do you, I don't know what do you say like use yeah it for yeah putting up a tent like, yeah put up a tent put up a tarp uh, tie something together. We've got a new neighbour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Iris, what do you do? I'm the letter picker. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you got the bum deal. Well, they've all done you? it. We've all they've done, all it. done, done it. it. Yeah, she's handed out. Even I did it years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I quite enjoy it anyway, and it's good for the environment. So, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. They used absolutely. to get paid in ice cream. When these guys did it, they got paid in an ice cream, yep. and now you actually get paid properly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, moved that's up brilliant. Ice cream. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Great, that sounds so good. Oh yeah, can you just say about Frisbee? We didn't mention Frisbee. <laughs> Irish, and who's your who's your furry friend? Okay, so Frisbee, she is the newest addition to the family. Um, we got her this summer. She's a bit. She's um, yeah. I've been wanting a dog. I love all animals, so I've been wanting a dog for about ten years. <laughs> sort of been like trying to get mum and dad to get me one. And then sort of in lockdown, because we had more time, mum and dad were like, you can sort of like start looking into it a little bit more, like seriously. And the next day, I found Frisbee. <laughs> the next day? Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just went and looked her. And she's the best dog. What she's breed really is great. she? She's, a, well, because she's a rescue, we're not 100% sure, but they said that she was a bearded collie cross to veterinary. terrier. Yeah. She's six years old, Beautiful. they said. Yeah. She's yeah. absolutely they're lovely aren't they these like shaggy dogs yeah very scruffy, yeah. scruffy yeah. fluffy that oh, kind of comes the tractor again oh here he is <laughs> <laughs> so you went on this big trip you traveled all around the coast of the uk seven thousand five hundred miles ten months that's a really incredible experience and i'm sure you learned a lot of lessons in that time but is there anything that stands out to you as an important lesson that you learned or do you have any advice for people that are thinking about going off in a van but they might be a bit nervous? I think the main thing that we learned is uh, we, we kind of we discovered you know that, that people are changing kind of what they value all over the UK like we met so many people that are really starting to value human connection and see how important it is and we sort of discovered this way of life and this way of traveling and we kind of like struggled to know like what what, what what do you call it and um, but we sort of call it one life share it and it's kind of a take on one life live it but it's like you know you get so much more from living your life to the fullest if you share it um, so I think that would be you know the thing we discovered and also my advice for other people is share your life like you know in whatever capacity you can like sometimes for us on the road that just meant leaving the door open and people just come and actually talk to us rather than you know sort of hiding ourselves away or whatever so I think to say to people just share in whatever way you can if you're making a cuppa offer your neighbour a cuppa as well you know if you've got someone parked up next to you it, it makes such a difference and even sometimes like the smallest connection can like 
creates so many opportunities to you know have an amazing experience make friends so I think that would be kind of my main lesson and advice that yeah. was so perfect because you know we've grown up in this um individualistic exactly mindset yes and that's really harmed us all yeah, you know we, we've closed all sure. our doors and we're going to live our own life and we're yeah. going to go out and live our life yeah. no one life share it yes that is so beautiful oh. i've learned so much i'm really really well, every, just delighted every yeah. solution that we saw on our trip yes. every single yeah. solution whether that be you know dealing with so many social issues was basically about bringing people together that, that at, at, the, at the very heart of every single positive thing we saw was was about bringing people together just like crossing yeah. divisions because we did see you know there are so many divisions you know like social divisions it between it's coming it's coming oh. Sorry. <laughs> okay yeah. cool social no, divisions yeah, yeah okay so yeah there are so many social divisions but like it, you know, it's not that difficult to cross them. I think that's what we realised. That you know, we met so many people just bringing people together, people from different backgrounds, different cultures, and you see that we have so much to learn from each other. Oh, it's coming back. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's I was done. I was done. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's Perfect. fantastic. Oh wow, it's been so wonderful to talk to you guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. And um, if people would like to follow you or see some of your videos from your trip or you know find your book that's mm -hmm. coming out where's the best place for them to do that uh so we're on mainly facebook and instagram um as one life share it and yeah <laughs> it was around the uk on a tenor a day but then we changed it our, our youtube's still around the uk on yeah, a tenor a day yeah youtube though. is still around evan tries um, to update it when he can on one life share it on yeah facebook and instagram there's again there's so many photos and videos throughout the entire you know like 10 months but yeah then if you follow us on there then you should be able to sort of see any updates on the book or whatever i'm okay. still waiting to hear i'm going through the process but uh should you update that through. Through. yeah yeah we try and sort of keep mm -hmm. it updated with what we're up to and talk about have you come up with a name yet for the book or i think we're going to call it round the uk on a tenner a day one family's journey to make a difference that's yeah the, that's the plan lovely may change you're not sure yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah. fantastic Brilliant, thank you so much guys. I hope you have a lovely day. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much for having us on, it's been brilliant. I'm here with Evan, newly qualified bushcraft instructor and he's gonna show me around Mo. And can you just remind us what um, make and model? So Is Mo, it a she or a he or? I don't know, she? Are they? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> guys, is she a she? She, she, she okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, it's she, uh, she was based on a Morris Traveller, so we kind of got the cab up to the doors of the cab uh, of Morris Traveller, a very kind of ratty looking one. <laughs> it was a complete wreck when me and Dad got her, so it was literally the cab engine and all the running gear that she had and, and a roof, <laughs> no sides or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. So we took that off and I built a little camper van on the back out of wood, tried to keep the original Morris Traveller look um, with being green and then the pieces of wood um, yes. On the outside. Very traditional style. Yeah. So should we have a look at what's on the outside first? Does that suit you? Yeah. yeah what, what? However okay. you would like to do it, we'll do so it. However like, you like. We've got to a do table it. inside that then can pop out uh, and can attach to one of the wheel arches either side. So we've got we've got that out at the moment and we cook them there and stuff. We've got an umbrella uh, that just goes actually slides underneath the floor under the floor and pops out of the back to give us a little bit of uh, shade and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then coming round a little bit 
Well, Dad's actually um, undoes the bolts or the driver's seat, so they come out like little like deck chairs <laughs> and pop out. Um, oh my goodness! So, so there's a chair. So there's a red seat outside, and this is actually a driver's that's, seat. Yeah, that's, that's the driver's seat. That's been unbolted, taken outside, and put down yeah. as a deck chair. We haven't, Isn't got that a, clever? haven't got enough room to carry extra chairs, so you've got a loose bolts, and they. They just pop wow, out. isn't yeah. that a good idea? It's a really good way to save so, space, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it looks it lovely and comfortable. Are they original chairs from the? They are. They, they, all the bottom and all the springs have fallen out. So you kind of, <laughs> if you haven't, we have to like stick boxes underneath them to kind of hold them in place. Oh yeah. Because otherwise, you kind of just sink. And it's them. like, is it leather? Oh, I think it. I think it must be some kind of. They are real leather. Fabulous. And, then, and what have we got here? On the back, we've got something called a samovar. Yeah, uh, so it's a, basically a Russian tea, and some of you might. It's a similar principle to a Kelly kettle. The, <laughs> you basically got um, a pipe in the middle. You put your fire in there, and then around it, you put the water in like a different container, and so the, it basically heats it. So this is a. So how does it? Sorry, I'm a bit slow with know. stuff like this. So you, what's this bit? So that's basically just for it to stand on. This is an old colander. Okay. That likes yeah. just taking random things and putting them together. It's just a pipe inside here. I'm not yep. really sure. He's changed it the last couple of days. But, um, so there's a fire inside it, and then the water's in this bit. It's got a little tap, uh, so you can uh, basically pour it out. And then this is an old exhaust uh -huh. uh, off of eBay. Uh, but it's, it's just a chimney, you pop your fuel in there. Make tea for, it doesn't take that long to boil, and you can make tea for lots of people. Brilliant way of bringing people together. And yeah, stuff. and it's so easy. It's got a it tap is, yeah. on it. So you can see a picture of all this on the One Life Share It yes. Um, Instagram page, and you've got a lovely little herb garden yeah, here. Yeah, that's Iris's. We leave it down to her. Otherwise, I think Mum's useless with plants. I don't just don't understand them. Dad, yeah, and Gracie are the same. So Iris, um, just she, that's her responsibility. We've got some, I don't know, some wow, different kind of herbs marigold. up there. growing. Look at that, look. Yeah. Okay, so great. We, what we have we got here? Or, yep, yep, yeah. yep. Cool. So. Yeah, inside we've got a few different little things. So up, right up at the back here next to the door, we've got a toilet. So bits fold up, a little bit uh, pops down, just a. Okay, this is a toilet, yeah. and that's um quite high. That toilet. It is. Yeah, yeah. We kind of you got there's a box that kind of um uh, fills this gap here in the yep. evening and just anywhere. And there's like a little stand that kind of is used to. Oh, I get see. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so cool. Oh my goodness. And then we've got like a that's big really hole clever. in the floor. Yeah. down here which is uh, a shower tray mm -hmm. and then there is some like doors which can close this area off if you want a bit of privacy and yep. then got like a little blind to close that window off so, you so just to say again so you've got this hole and it's wood yes and you what you've done is you've drilled a hole and you've got like a plug hole so you can and it's about a foot deep so you can have a good wash and everything and yeah. the water just drains you might have just solved one of my issues that I have in my van. That's so clever. Love that. And and the wood, is it like marine ply or marine so it's something? It's cedar, or? just uh, western cedar. cedar. Yeah. And a good thing about that is it doesn't rot. So when it gets wet, and it's, it's just all been varnished, but uh, western my cedar doesn't rot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we just got some storage and storage boxes uh, around here, some stuff like that where we can store pots and pans. And under under some of these boxes, like little built-in cool box yeah so um yeah and then we've got just more storage here little sink uh i think that that's just connected up to a wastewater tank do you um, have any sort of pipe system for your sink or do you just no. use so there's no there's no taps or anything mm -hmm. on it it's just um you know brushing your teeth and stuff like that pouring water uh, yeah um, 
Oh, I see, yeah. Any stuff like that. Going back, we've got on either side, we've got these like benches, which are down at the moment, but they kind of pull up and then uh, kind of pop up uh, to go flat. And that's like two benches, which we can fit, uh, yeah, all, all five of us around, a little bit squashed, but we can fit, you know, easily two people in each one and then one of us uh, kind of out. And what are the dimensions of the bed? What would you say? Two metres wide, I reckon. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's about the size, the foot area, the actual like size of like the inside is about the size of a small double bed. Uh, the whole thing in the night does turn into a bed, the whole floor for mum and dad. And then up, up the top here, this bit up here, just pulls out to about here. So we've got uh, one bed, two bed, and then another bed. Oh my goodness, yeah. so that pulls out and makes another bed. So you've, yes. it's like double bunk basically, isn't yeah, it? Like double bed, bunk bed. Yeah, the cab. Um, so three of us would be able to sleep up there, like top to tail. But um, that's what we did on our challenge this year. We couldn't all fit up there again. Really? It was, it was, yeah. Like Dad cut, they had to cut this bit out so Gracie's feet could hang over the edge. <laughs> it was just too long for it. So we've actually kind of gone up another level and I'm up there in a hole kind of through the roof with like a pop-up um, thing on the top which actually comes off. Uh, turns into a boat and um and then also it's like a table it's got legs and stuff so you can like cook outside and stuff oh a, my goodness a bigger table right i've got my head through a hole in the top of the van and there's this amazing it's like a wooden well i'll let evan explain what it is but um it's like a there's a whole room for someone to sleep up here and um so wow it's so cool up here i can see why you wanted to sleep up here yeah. Yeah, so it's actually, it's um, it pops up using an old, a car jack. So you like one of those little whiny ones for it, uh, like a scissor jack, so it pops up. Uh, but then it can all come undone. Uh, the canvas sides come off of it. Uh, the ends that um, create the ends for the bed come off of it. And it's a boat. And we made an old, like, um, we haven't got it with us um, at the moment. But it's uh, like a little outboard with an old drill and some pipes and stuff. So an outboard connects to the back and it can turn into a little boat. It probably could sit about two people in it. So I think me and Dad are, I think, I think this is going to the Adventure Overland Show, be Mo's last adventure with all five of us. Oh, but I think me yeah. and Dad are going to start going off in it a bit more uh, with the boat and stuff together. Really? Yeah. That sounds so cool. You've got your own boat on board. Yes. That's so that, amazing. That is pretty cool. Like, we, Dad's always wanted to, like, even just cut the roof off the whole thing and like, turn it into a boat. He, he always <laughs> wanted to have a boat on it. So um, he's kind of finally got that wish and it's come true. The use of yeah. space in here is incredible. It's so good. And what I love about it is that you've obviously just come up with your personal wishes and made it happen. And it's so nice to see such a personal, um, you know, design. Yeah. It's really cool. So whenever we build yeah. a tiny house, we always sit down as a family and go, what do we want in it? You know, we want a toilet, a shower, beds. Uh, we'll get, you know, even as we kind of got older, we kind of want our own little pods now. So we kind of all sit down and uh, discuss kind of almost like what do we what's, what's going to be the purpose of it. We're going to want to be able to have people come into it. We're going to be want to be able to cook for lots of people to be able to bring people together. Kind of what, what do we want to do? That's a really good tip for anyone that's thinking of designing to sit down and be like, okay, what am I actually going to do in this space? That's so important, isn't it? Because what you might do might be really different from someone else. So yeah. there's no point doing like a standard design. And that's it for this episode. So thank you very much for listening to She's at the Wheel podcast. If you want to write to me, it's she's at the wheel at gmail.com. Please follow me on Instagram and rate this podcast five stars on iTunes. See you next time.